You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 613 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and uh, joining me tonight, unexpectedly but also expectedly, and I'll explain that in a few moments, is the great Robbie Calland of Dime and Uprock Sports and the internet. What's up, man? What's going on? Not much. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a bit while. slow out there. It is. NBA it's been news, uh, very NBA slow. Newsland. It's been very slow. Uh, we, we are we are convening to for a reason. Uh, just look behind the curtain a little bit. Robbie and I were planning to do our annual, I guess it's annual, uh, over under podcast where we discuss the season one totals of every single team in the NBA and split it up into two episodes. That's still going to happen. Uh, we're going to cheat a little bit today because um, some news broke Monday Monday evening. So this podcast that you're about to listen to is going to be some Vince Carter talk, which is about to happen just now. And then we're going to just uh, sort of extract the Hawks over under that we would normally put in the uh, Eastern Conference section. We're just going to do it for you here. So this is a Hawks only space and you can avoid the other two if you want to. I would encourage you not to do so. <laughs> but uh, we're going to go ahead and do that for you now. So first things first. Vince Carter's coming back. Uh, not a huge yeah. surprise. It, it's definitely ebbed and flowed quite a bit in the last like six mm-hmm. weeks. There were moments where I thought it wasn't going to happen. Uh, there were moments where I thought it was going to happen, and then I, I had this pre-written and then fell asleep at the wheel and didn't get to post that on time, which people really enjoyed, including yourself. Um, but uh, what's your reaction? I've talked about Vince quite a bit. What's your reaction to Vince coming back for uh, year 22, which would be an NBA record, by the way? Yeah, I mean, like I think there's there's obviously a historic element to it. Um, I, and, and something that I talked to Vince about last year, and, and I think, you know, there's, he'll, he'll bring some on-court stuff. Uh, we'll talk about that. But, but, I mean, the big thing is this is a guy that this organization loves having in the locker room. Like they just – they want him around. They want him as the – like basically the shining example to this young team of what it takes to be a consummate professional in the NBA. It, we we talk, you know, the, the the big story right now in the NBA is like, does Carmelo Anthony still have a place in the league? If Carmelo Anthony had Vince Carter's mindset, he would absolutely have a place in the league. Carmelo Anthony was willing to be a sixth, seventh, eighth man off the bench, then yeah, he'd be there. But as as long as he still thinks he's a starting level player, and all evidence is to the contrary on that then there's going to be a disconnect. It's not that, you know, there's 450 better players than Carmelo Anthony. It's that there are 450 players that accept a role better than Carmelo Anthony. Vince Carter, better than most, any like legit star level guy in recent memory has taken the step back um, to really extend his career longer than anybody else ever has. It doesn't happen very often. It like the the kind of funny thing is he was just like it, like I just love basketball this is the way to keep playing basketball in the NBA I'm going to do that it, it it's not necessarily that he necessarily sees it as his you know like duty or do you know he has to do his due diligence to the next generation like I'm sure there's some of that but as he explained it to me it's basically I just want to keep playing ball this is how you keep playing ball help the young guys accept a lesser role, change your game. The fact that he's become, you know, a legit marksman from three-point range is kind of hilarious. 
given he was not a high-volume three-point shooter in his prime. Uh, but now he is one of the best catch-and-shoot guys in the league. So he's, he's evolved his on-court game. He's evolved his approach as far as, you know, accepting a lesser role but still being aggressive and trying to be himself when he is on the floor, but accepting that, hey, it's okay if that happens in, you know, 15 minutes a game now. Uh, and then and then he's taken on, obviously, the, the locker room thing, uh, which is what Lloyd and Travis like the most about having him around. Yeah, I mean, Vince, obviously, I think it's very clear based on what I've seen, based on what you've seen, based on what everybody's said publicly. Everybody loves Vince, and I mean that. Everybody loves Vince. I've not really heard anybody say anything bad about Vince since he arrived in Atlanta. He's been great to the media, great to his teammates. Uh, Lloyd Pierce speaks glowingly of him. Um, no big surprise there whatsoever. I think uh, this is uh, now we're into me reading the situation room uh, part of the podcast. Um, I think Vince probably understands that he's not going to play a ton this year for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, the the plan last year, I think he played more than he was supposed to play last year as well because of the fact for that sure. John Collins got injured early and Vince was honestly better than I thought he was going to be last season at his age and that really helped and he ended up playing some, some small forward when there were some injuries in the second half of the season. Vince was someone who played quite a bit. Um, yeah. Now, I think part of the reason why this took so long is that Vince, as you mentioned, wants to play Vince enjoys playing and I think Mm -hmm. you know he definitely you know cherishes the locker room stuff and I think he understands his role as a locker room leader and mentor and someone who can pass a lot of things along but he does like to play and I think the only reason why he's back and it took this long is that maybe he understands he's not going to play as much in Atlanta Mm-hmm. With that said, I, I think that there wasn't necessarily an obvious place for him to sign. Um, maybe there was a, maybe there was a contender that he could have gone to, but w- it would have been similar in the fact that maybe he wasn't going to be guaranteed playing time. And you know, Atlanta has a lot of things. He was already here last year. He really enjoyed it. They have Turner Broadcasting. He's that, that, that's his mm-hmm. next step almost certainly. So there's a number of things that he enjoys about being here as well. I mean, we can talk a little bit about, about what, what, whether he should play, whether he will play, because look, the Hawks made some investments at the spot where Vince was playing last year. Vince was the backup power forward and at, at, at this stage of his career Vince is a power forward he yes. can play some small forward he, 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 did, he did a little bit last year but I think um, all parties were basically pretty candid in saying he's a power forward last year they went out and signed Jabari Parker they have yep. Chandler Parsons who you know isn't necessarily going to be great, but is on the team. Um, they also have Evan Turner, who is the backup point guard, but could be playing some three and four as well. They have bodies. They, they also have DeAndre Hunter, who could be playing the four as well. Cam Reddish, same yep. thing. So lots of bodies around. And, you know, if you had to win one game right now today, I think Vince might be pretty high on that list of players that I'd be right. looking to play. But, you know, he's 42 years old and will be 43 years old. Um, so it's not a situation where... Um, he's going to be a super high priority in terms of getting getting minutes. I'll be I'll be interested to see what happens, but he was pretty solid last year. He struggled a little bit early on to get sort of his feet under him, but his shooting really plays up as you mentioned, and his defense. He's competitive there. He plays hard, and you know he's just a great presence to have. So I've been you know pretty pretty clear all season long, all off season long, I should say. That I'm, I was always in favor of bringing him back. I wasn't gonna like like the world on fire if they didn't sign him. But you know they had they had a roster spot laying around for him in early August, and uh, they could do much much worse than Vince Carter. I think he helps in a lot of different ways. Also, I want to quickly. Uh, I, I said he, his three point numbers for his career are all over the place. So yes, he's had very good seasons, uh, and also had some just disastrous seasons for three. I think uh, I think you're right though. That career thirty seven percent. He's he's elite now, honestly. Like but he's everyone like kind elite, of jokes like, about that. <laughs> yeah, like he and, and he's had some high volume years. He's had some years where he barely shot. Uh, really strange 
career numbers there. But uh, so I, I'll, I'll take some of that back. But like he was definitely not thought of as primarily a three point guy, and that's now his main thing. I mean, he took six shots a game, and four of those were threes last year. So I mean, just changing his game in that regard and making that the main part of his game uh, has been a pretty spectacular change. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And honestly, I said this last year, I think at one point, and, and surprised some people, I think he was the best shooter on the team last season. Like, you know, yeah. numbers-wise he was. Um, you know, obviously, I, I would argue that Torian Prince and Kevin Herter would have been in the same sort of range. Obviously, Trey Young's range is um, impressive. But, you know, just a standstill catch-and-shoot jumper with my life on the line, I think I'd probably take Vince over all those guys, <laughs> which is yeah, which, which says a lot. I mean, but it's and again, he's he is what he is. He's he's older. He's uh, now the wily KG veteran. He still has some burst in those legs occasionally, as we saw with a, yeah. with a few dunks last season. Like but twelve dunks last year. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad athlete. Like, he's enough. not he's not Vince Carter in capital letters anymore. But sure. he, he can turn the clock around pretty quickly and uh, start hovering in the air. He still has that like glide to him when he gets mm-hmm. up in the air. Um, so it, it's fun to watch Vince. It's fun to interact with Vince. I told a little, a little mini story on Twitter today about him taking some time with me in Detroit when I was the only person there on like basically Christmas Eve Eve and everybody else was running out of town. Vince is like, just, let's just talk for a while. Okay, let's talk for a while, Vince. Uh, <laughs> please. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, Vince, you know, you and I have done this for a while now. Vince is pretty much the only guy that I've ever been sort of nervous to talk to um, that, that mm. was on the Hawks in like the last, I don't know, six, seven seasons, um, just because he's Vince Carter. And it's not, it's not that he's that player now, but Vince Carter is going right. to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, Vince is great to talk to. There's no nervousness now. But the first time I talked to Vince, it was like, oh, that's that's Vince Carter over there. And there's something to that. And I think players are going to listen to him. Um, yeah. Just the mentor factor of having him around Trey Young, who clearly likes Vince Carter quite a bit, Kevin Herter, now the two young forwards in Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, too. You know, it just helps everybody. Yeah, I mean... It- and I think that's that's the big thing. It's like they're they reloaded with even more young talent. And if they could convince Vince that we can give you enough of the role on the floor that you don't feel like your retirement tour is you sitting on the bench the entire time and just going to arenas and saying hi to the crowd and everything. <laughs> which is going to happen, by the way. Buckle up for that. The, the, the retirement tour is going to be in full swing. So I'm ready. Retirement for that. tour is very real. Uh, it's gonna be cool to see, you know, places. Jersey swaps. Jersey. Jer- I I'm interested to see if Vince is like, I I I can't see Vince as the guy that wants to do that on the floor. I mean, Dwayne Dwayne Way was like all about it. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure I, if Vince is gonna Dwayne, do that. Dwayne kind of made tour. it like Dwayne Dwayne made it like that was the thing. That was the entire thing with the Heat last year. The Heat were like a playoff contender and no one gave a damn. I mean, it was like because every was, other game. Was, I mean, one, you and I it was, you <laughs> was the last dance, and like yeah. we it was. And like he made it a very big spectacle of the jersey swap, and it was cool. How many because, posts did we write about that during the season? Uh, how many posts did one of us write or say, somebody write about that? I would say half of them. It's just crazy. So because like, and he made it, and like the thing was he made a spectacle. It was like it was either his friends or he would try to get you know a young dude. You know he did Trey and Kevin in the Hawks games. Um, so like it was it was cool and like, but there's the, like Dwayne and Vince are different guys. Uh, so I, I don't, I think we'll see, there'll be tribute videos from certain places. Uh, Toronto is going to be really interesting. They did one last year. A lot, a lot of teams kind of, kind of did one last year. Like I think we weren't sure. I mean, Vince, Vince, it was was a running joke. It was a running joke for sure. Like for months, like how many times are we going to do the Vince Carter, um, weighs in on his retirement? Um, same post that we've all written 10 times. He like, at some point I was like, we're, we're not writing this anymore. 
Like he's coming back. If, oh, if I somebody... reached that point in like January, and I was telling our staff like, stop dropping this in. Uh, we're gonna write about it when he when he announces it one way or the other. Right. But it, he was gonna play. Like, and basically he 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 alluded to it several times. He was like, I'm gonna play unless they tell me I'm not gonna play. Basically, right. That was um, the thing. It was like it was, it was, somebody was gonna have to be like, no, we're not. Like all 30 teams. And I basically. thought that might happen. I mean, we're in we're in August now. Like once it got to August, it was like maybe he's just not gonna play. And yeah. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it was at least a possibility when it's August 5th when he's announcing. But the Hawks were always the most logical fallback spot because they, they wanted him back, and they kind of said that multiple times. It's just a situation where Vince had to, I think for me, again, this is me this is me sharing my opinion now, not, not definite fact, but Vince just had to say, look, I may not play, and that's, yeah. I'm okay with that. Because, again, I'm not sure he's going to play every game. And, in fact, I'm pretty sure he's not going to play every game. Probably um, not. Just because, you know, Jabari I, Parker's I, I making real money. Point- <laughs> I th- yeah, I think the funny thing is, I bet he plays more on the road, percentage-wise of road games than he does at home because of the retirement tour thing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me I mean, for a team. That's, that's, I mean, the Hawks. That's just, that's just my guess because we'll like, talk about the Hawks in a minute. But like, they're gonna not going to be necessarily be winning fifty games. Want, there's going to be a lot of we want Vince chance. And that happened last year once, where like notably when uh, Lloyd tried to send him back in, and Vince was basically like, "No, like he took his shoes off." <laughs> and there, that was a right, that was a running joke in the locker room after the game was Vince was like refusing to go in because it was like a minute left. He's like, "No, nah, I'm not going in. I'm not doing it." Uh, and it was lighthearted. It wasn't like a like an insubordination yeah. thing, but it was it was pretty yeah. funny. He was like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm not doing that." Um, but yeah, it's you know plenty of time to talk about what he's going to do on the floor, and I think he'll obviously be competing with the guys that we referenced between Jabari and Parsons and those guys for minutes. But uh, Vince is back, and even if he's not playing, he adds a ton. And it's it's the it, I'm sure it's the minimum that wasn't reported. I'm I'm pretty confident it's, it's going to be the minimum. I, yeah. Because his minimum yeah. is like almost three million dollars too. Like Vince's minimum <laughs> right, is real he's money. Got, he's got the the highest like vet minimum ever. Um, yeah, so uh, he'll he'll be making some decent cash, and he'll be around. I'm sure you'll be seeing him on some uh, TV stuff. In fact, I think this week he's doing the Junior Goodwill or whatever it is games that he they did last year. Junior, I don't know something, um, broadcasting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vince will be active in that in that world as well. we'll oh, no, uh, no doubt. I mean, like Woj, Woj tweeted today, like he's gonna be like it's gonna be he might be the biggest free agent next year because there's not like max NBA dudes and. And he wants to do it. And then Turner, he wants to. I mean, he's very clear. He's been, he did a bunch of stuff with the jump this summer. He's done a bunch of NBA TV, uh, some TNT last year. He did the in game, he did that one like game where he just like, chilled with bob and Nick. they literally gave him the night off and said he's gonna and he was like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do the, the broadcast now i was in the booth right. with bob and neek so yeah i mean the, whole, the thing about vince versus like someone like Dwayne way who we talked about earlier is that Dwayne wade is um an even you know even more surefire hall of famer than vince but Dwayne wade may not want to do full-time tv like he may right. but he may not he may not want to vince is like on the record like he's going to do that with his next oh time, yeah so. i mean like the thing is it's like vince doesn't want to leave the world of basketball like this is this is that's his he's thing. also very good at it <laughs> already yeah he's also fantastic at it um and he's got like the thing is, is he can do he's done in-game stuff studio stuff like he's got the perspective of pretty much any player in the like he's done the role thing now he was like a legit star he's been on teams that have come up short like the, the one thing he doesn't have is like the championship as a star but like he's he's done pretty much everything. He's got stories about pretty much everybody in the league, past and present. Like he's going to be great, and he's got kind of a nice like even temperament for TV, and can play off of ridiculous folks like Chuck 
and you know Jalen Rose and whoever else um, that kind of bring bring the energy. He's kind of that good in between guy. Um, He'll be but good. yeah, he's he's gonna Vince. Vince will not be leaving your life as an NBA fan anytime soon. No, Vince is going to be around. All right, that's plenty on Vince, I think, for now. Let's go to a break real quickly. We'll have a couple of sponsors, and we'll come back and talk about the Hawks and their over-under, and we'll get these takes off. So uh, hold on one second. All right, Rob, we're back, and um, it's time. Uh, we're going to do all of these, uh, probably in a two-part episode coming soon. This will be a, this will be part, I guess, 0.5 or something. Um, just the Hawks for now, but you know, just to set the stage a little bit, we'll probably be using betonline.ag's numbers because they're accessible to the public. Um we are partial to Westgate, um, but Westgate's yeah. in Las Vegas, and if you have, don't have a way to get to Las Vegas, then that's not really super relevant to you. So we'll go with that online, uh, just so people know what this is. Uh, we're going to talk about the over/under season win total betting numbers, a pretty normal podcasting device these days. But the Hawks have had some numbers that are kind of all over the place. I saw thirty-one and a half early. Um, I saw as high as thirty-six, which you and I between Caesars opened at thirty-six. Yeah. That's really high uh, for the Hawks, um, but preposterous. But online, uh, I believe it's at thirty three and a half now. Yeah, which is I think pretty Westgate much right where it should be. And a half. Yeah, Westgate was thirty two and a half. Yeah, so thirty two and a half, thirty three and a half are the numbers that I think most places are going to settle at as we get closer mm-hmm. to the season. I don't think Vince is going to move this line, <laughs> just for the record. Um, but so, I mean, first impressions before we weigh in on our actual thoughts. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I, I'm going to say that that seems about right without giving away my prediction full full hog in early August. That seems like it's a pretty appropriate number for me. Yeah, I, I think you should be thinking improvement from last year, given how they played the second half of the season. Um, but I, I think a lot of folks have gone a little too far in projecting the jump for everybody on the roster, basically. Um, it's it's rare for that to happen. You usually see guys kind of ups and downs usually early in the career. Some guys will go up. Some guys might regress a little bit. But overall, as long as the right guys go up, you should see an increase in wins. But you did lose a lot on this team from last year. I mean, Dwayne Demon was one of the definitely one of the three best players on the team last year, right? Yeah, I, I've, I've said that before. I think Devin was the third best player on the team. You also lose Torian Prince. You lose Kent Bazemore. And I know Bays wasn't great last year. Prince has his foibles that I've been very sure. clear on, but yeah. they're still yes. rotation basketball players. Um, and um, you replace and you replace a lot of them with young guys, young guys and fringe guys. veterans. I mean, guys that are decent. Like Jamari Parker is an NBA player. Uh, Chandler sure. Parsons is what he is. But Alan Crabb, same thing. Uh, Evan Turner is an NBA player, but a weird fit. Like, there's no. I think the guys that you lost versus the guys that you gained, I think that that is a downgrade. Now, so mm-hmm. you're betting, you're basically betting on internal improvement here because sure. Deadman alone, I think Deadman is by far the best player that you either added or lost, and you lost him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you could probably argue that Torian and Bazemore are on the same level, or at least approximately the same level as guys like Turner and Parker. Um, but mm-hmm. Deadman is by far and away the biggest loss, in my opinion. And, you know, you have Alex Lynn, but. Um, I will say this, if you just took the guys you lost versus the guys you added and compared the two, it's a downgrade for me. Now, you you have to think on a young team that the guys coming back, your John Collins, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, um, even someone like Alex Len, perhaps, who's kind of reasonably young, those guys, you assume improvement there. Now, it's not always linear, and that's the biggest thing that we have to talk about here. Because this, is, this, is, this is my rant, Brad. I know, I'm setting you up for it, but all I have to say is the guys that you lost versus the guys you gained, I'm not sure that just just this season, again, this is just this yeah. season, so you have to remember that DeAndre Hunter is a rookie. Ken Reddish is a rookie. Is their future bright? Absolutely. But rookies, generally, 
Robbie, are bad. Do not. Which, well, here's the thing. Rookies genuine, generally do not contribute to winning basketball games. Correct. That's the sometimes thing. That happens, there, sometimes that happens. Right. There, there, are sometimes, there are sometimes that happens, but usually it is playing a smaller role on a better team. See uh, SGA on the Clippers last year. You know, like he played. Yes. But they, they had another guy. They had Patrick Beverly. They had Lou Williams. They had guys to put around him. He was able to play a role. He played exceptionally well. Most rookies do not contribute to significant winning. So you're, you, you can't ask that much of Reddish and DeAndre Hunter to go out there and help you win basketball games in the sense that they're going to be positive influences on both ends of the floor as rookies. There's a learning curve. We saw it last year with Trey. We've seen it two years ago with John. Like every rookie that comes in has to follow that learning curve. Some pick it up quicker. Trey seemed to kind of have it click late December, early January. Yep. And was able to carry that through. And then you also always have the looming rookie, quote unquote, rookie wall that people, <laughs> you know, like once we get to game 68 of the season, you've never played that many games. Are you going to be able to? have the conditioning to keep up and, and to be able to give the effort on both ends, all that stuff that we always talk about. Yeah. I mean, you the, th- the thing, the thing about it is uh, just real quickly is like, yeah. you know, Deandre Hunter is someone I've, I've been very high on. I've always enjoyed Deandre Hunter dating back for six months to a year on this podcast and other places. I really like Deandre Hunter. Um, Deandre Hunter, it probably is not going to be a, a good starting caliber small forward as a rookie, because that's oh. what guys generally are. Well, I know he's a little bit older, but it's just, it's not a shot at him. Obviously I like Deandre Hunter quite a bit. But if yeah. he's your starting small forward, that's not really a good thing in terms no. of winning right now. It's good for his development sure. and playing a lot. But in terms of winning right now, like I think for this season only, if you just told me I have to win in November and December, um, I'd rather have Kent Bazemore than DeAndre the, the Hunter, I think, yeah. pretty comfortably. Um, yeah. And that shouldn't be a hot take. Obviously, you want Hunter long-term and you want yeah. Hunter a year from now. But right now, for the next six months, if I had to just win, if, if all I want to do is win basketball games, and my and my choices were Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Hunter, I know which one I'm taking, and it's not DeAndre Hunter. And again, that's someone who likes Hunter and had him pretty darn high. I had him fifth on my board. Like I like DeAndre Hunter quite a bit. Um, so all that to say, Deadman is a loss. He's the biggest loss. But uh, even on the wings, like for the future, they're the, it's a lot, it's a lot brighter right now than it was a year ago. But for no, right no. this second, not so much. No, and and. Then getting to the guys that we're projecting growth for, um, and you have to believe in those have, guys, honestly. To to you, to, ha- to have the over with the Hawks, you have to really buy, and I I understand to. why you really have to buy the internal growth. You have, and to. here's the thing: fans are always going to do that, and they should. They should want that. They should, but absolutely, I understand that. I'm not going to tell you don't be excited about this team, but even internally the people in charge, they still talk about this as a three to five year plan. They don't talk about next year as like, we're trying to get there. Like they, they oh, you've still, seen that. They I mean, with, with the roster I mean, moves. They, with the roster moves that they tell you They're taking what their we're time. doing. Yep. We're going to take our time. Lloyd, I, think, I think Lloyd probably said, we're not skipping steps a dozen times to me in 15 minutes when I, when I sat down with them. And Travis says the same thing all the time. In February or March or whatever. Yep. Same thing with Travis. Like they, they both said, we're not skipping steps. And so it's natural for fans to want to kind of skip those steps in their mind of like, okay, these guys develop 
you know, Trey was this as a rookie, as a sophomore, he's going to be this much better. He has a full, he has a full off season. You know, he's going to be you know, all this stuff. There's reason to believe he can continue to improve, but it's probably going to continue to have its ups and downs. And the thing is, Lloyd wants that. Like the, the best quote Lloyd gave me in, in, in that entire piece was, we want guys to struggle because that's when we can build them up. He's like, I can't pull Trey aside and tell him he needs to fix this when he came in. Like we can't be like, we want to fix your shot. Because he was just a national, like, national player of the year candidate, all these sorts of things, like had a phenomenal season at Oklahoma. You can't do that when a guy's confidence is high because you're going to just shatter him. But when a guy shoots 22% in a month, that's when you can go, okay, this is what we're going to do. And that's what he said. And, and so Trey's going to go through those again. He's going to have a month-long slump. He's going to have stuff like this. And it'll, you know, it'll feel like the, the sky is falling, all that. It won't be. He'll come back. He's going to be fine. He's going to have a great month. He's going to have a tough month. He's going to have a tough week. He's going to have a great week. That's what young guys do. Development is never linear. You can never say this is exactly what this guy's going to be year one, two, three, four, five. Well, just ask it like, like just ask the that. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum fans from just last year. That, that's, that's a very I recent mean, example, but people thought I mean, he was going to be a crazy. Like, like Tatum's going to be an all star this Jason year. Tatum's <laughs> yep. Jason Tatum's all star. Jason Tatum's going to be third best player, second best player on on the Celtics. You know, it's going to be Kyrie, then right next to him is Tatum, then maybe Horford and Brown and DC. Like Jason Tatum struggled. He struggled. He struggled to find a shot. Defenses have, you know, a whole year of tape is now on these guys. Defenses are going to be ready. They're going to scheme for guys. This is going to be the first time. Now, Trey has a little bit of an advantage because last year defenses were already scheming for him because he was the Hawks offense. Yeah, I mean, Trey, Trey's the kind of guy who's been schemed for his whole life. And he, and he has. So I think, I think yeah. if, there's, if there's a reason to be kind of bullish on Trey not having much in the way of a sophomore slump, it's that. It's that this isn't going to be new. It's not like he's – He kind of already had it. <laughs> he didn't come out of nowhere as far as like being the lead guy. You know, nobody was like, oh, we have to we have to really scheme for this guy and kind of scramble for it. And then suddenly everybody locks in on him. that. That's been the case. I, I think Trey's going to have a really good year again. I still – you know, defensive questions, whatever. He was tremendous last year offensively. The passing better than I anticipated being at the NBA level as a rookie. His vision, everything came with him. I, I am the first to admit I was wrong on my eval as far as what I thought he would be as a rookie. I thought he would struggle more. I thought it would look more like the first month of the season for a little longer, incremental growth, that sort of thing. He came on. He found it. It was spectacular to watch. Yep. I, I totally agree. With I also Cole. think there might be some <laughs> plateauing. It can happen. John Collins, same thing. John Collins, spectacular year last year. 20 and 10, all that good stuff. Again, you lose a guy like Deadman next to you as John Collins and you replace him with Alex Len, that's going to make his life a lot more difficult on both ends of the floor. Can you keep up that production level when they're going to be, they're going to have to ask more of him defensively, which we can talk another time about whether that's uh, an even bigger issue for this team. But they're gonna have like they they're gonna have to lean on him more defensively. He's gonna have to be better. He's gonna have to give you a little more on that end uh, because you lose a shot blocker at the rim that's as consistent as Deadman was. Uh, can he keep up the same productive levels on offense when when you're having to do that? We'll see. But 
you lose a lot next to Collins. It'll remain to be seen how he can fit with these other guys. Going to be some weird fits when you're playing John Collins and Jabari Parker next to each other. It, it there's some weird roster fits happening that I think if you take a step back, you see. But all this is to say, the hope is that they get incrementally better. I'm just worried people are a little too excited about a giant leap coming for a second straight year with John when I'm not sure how much higher there is to push his ceiling right now without that defense coming a major step, which I don't see right now. Yeah, I mean, just it's interesting. I agree with you, obviously. I think that my thing is you you can sort of build in some growth projection on all three of the young guys, including Kevin Herter and the two guys we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and and, 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 and that's pretty safe to do. But I I do agree that like you have to be within reason. Could Trey Young make another huge leap? Absolutely, he could. He could be awesome. He could be an all star this year. That's in play. If you're doing, if you're doing, if you're looking at Wintos, you're you're mostly looking at what are the most likely scenarios. That's what I mean. Like it has to be. And so there's always stuff on the mark. There's always the five ten percent. On the margin, I mean, we talk, we've we've talked about. It. There's probably a five to ten percent chance the Hawks blow it out of the water and make the playoffs this year. Oh, I've I've already said my my, my favorite Hawks bet of all is the division. Oh at eight yeah. to one, and part of that's Same. that I hate Miami and I hate Orlando. But Same. spoiler alert on those, I guess for the next podcast. But part yeah. of that is that I think the Hawks could could fairly legitimately go out and win forty games this year. That would not that would not stun me. I'm not picking it, but that that's within the range of outcomes. And if they do that. It's the Southeast Division. It's the worst division in the league. That might win the division. So um, I I think that's uh, going to happen reasonably. Um, That's just value. So it's just one of those things where, yes, I I do think that, again, the number that we're talking about here, 32.5, 33.5, is a reasonable number. Um, But, you know, we're just kind of explaining why that number exists because, you know, if you got worse on the margins with the supporting cast, but you get better with the three young guys, which I think is, again, a reasonable projection because that's, that's sure. probably what's going to happen. Just, if, um, if you're talking overall, I think those three guys will be better as a combination than than last year. I just don't think it's going to be significant leaves for all three. Yeah, I, I, I think Herter, I I think I Herter is I, almost – it's funny. I think Herter is almost the most, the most likely to jump because Herter is jumping from a lower baseline. You know, Herter yeah, – yeah. Herter showed some signs last year, but sure. you know, Young and Collins were a lot better than Herter last season. Yeah. So I think Herter has the easiest. I'm, I'm using well, that in your quotes. The easiest if jump. John, if, yeah, if John Collins plateaus, that's fantastic. Honestly, I mean, if he, yeah, if if, if he's suddenly if, he, if he's quote unquote just a twenty and ten guy on good, on good <laughs> efficiency, like that, <laughs> that, that that's just fine. That's no, no I, I don't want I don't want it to I don't want it to come off like like I'm I'm trashing these guys or like that they they can't get better. But I, I think the jump he made from rookie to sophomore year was pretty significant. Yeah, for me, for me, it's John's uh, defense. Everybody knows. I mean, it's not a secret. All, John's defense is the all, thing. All and, and and Trey's defense is a, is a thing also. Uh, obviously, a little bit lower baseline there because Trey just getting to passable would be a huge win. Uh, but, you know, he's bigger and stronger and he's, he's all the muscle watch stuff. He looks like he's in pretty good shape. And I think he's going to be good. I mean... It's a situation where we're agreeing that you can you can project some growth for these guys. You, it's just you that have you, to think it's thirty three wins. Well, that's what I mean. You have to get that's that the because thing. the supporting cast is worse. We're, it just we're is. We're, so we're, we're in on we're in on the bump. The bump that makes people want to take over on thirty six is like more likely than not happening. Is the thing that I want to to bring us back from. Yeah, I, I mean, just just, I, just I, I, saw, I thought people I thought people that saw the thirty six from Caesars. And like that was the first number they saw, and they're like, "Oh, all over." And I was, 
Yeah, I got, I, I got, I got, I got a bunch of those. I got a bunch of those responses was, when, I, when I, was, I tweeted about I it. I was aghast. Like you, that's that. It's that's more projection than I'm comfortable looking at for improvement from those guys. It would take so much. Or, or, and I guess, and or it would take, and or um, the, the young like guys Jabari have, being Jabari being good, or Alex Len taking the next step. Like, there, there's there there are other ways for that to happen. So much, but they're less likely to go into ways. it. <laughs> then, yeah, there's just so many factors that, like, when you add up the percentages of all of them happening at the same time, gets you to like five to ten percent again for like the playoff ish contender. That like it's it's just not it's not a good play. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to make the optimistic case for you right now with the numbers real quickly because I, I can already hear some people getting mad. Um, fired last up, fired. year, here comes la- <laughs> last year with, with John Collins. So after Collins came back, this is just with John Collins. They were about a 33 win team on pace. So they were really bad early without him. And that would that made a lot of sense. We all saw that coming because they had nobody else. Um, they were, they were about a 33 win team with John Collins. Also, they had a minus two ish net rating with Collins and Young playing together, which is like a thirty-seven win team. Um, they they were about dead even when Collins, Young, and Herder all played together. Now, my counterpoint to that would be um, when your best players play together, you need to you need to have a positive net rating because That's they're right. normally going to have a negative when they leave the court. So yeah. it, it looks good that they were you know sort of break even with those guys on the floor. But if you're going to try to talk about winning 38, 40 games, yeah. you need to be soundly positive with those three well, guys. Well, and the the other thing, and this is another thing Lloyd brought up, is like the goal is to get John and Trey to thirty five minutes a game. But again, that's part of the three to five year plan. And by the way, I'll explain ex- explain shot. that because uh, explain that so because I, I can already hear Hawks fans because throughout throughout last season, Hawks fans really 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 wanted those guys to play more minutes, mm-hmm. and I would get so yelled at explain. for them not playing a lot of minutes. So please explain what you're talking about there because I know we've had this conversation, but I want to pass it along to the people. So when I talked to Lloyd, he said we, I, I asked him like what what's the philosophy on player development? Like what what are the conversations that you have with these guys to tell them where they are? where you want them to go and what are like the concrete things that you show them. And the, the example he brought up is he was like, right now, John and Trey, they, they both play almost exactly 30 minutes a game. Like Lloyd and this Hawks staff are very dialed. They're watching everything. They're very precise when it comes to keeping track with stuff. They're in tune with the analytics department, all of these things. So like, it's not, there's not a lot of accidents when it comes to, oh, they played exactly 30 minutes when he was talking about 30 minutes. They, there's a lot of science that went into it. He's like, they're playing 30 minutes right now. We want them eventually to get to 35 minutes a game. But I can't have you playing 35 minutes a game if in 30 minutes a game you're showing me signs of fatigue when you're out there, signs, signs of a lack of effort, uh, poor defensive effort, because you're trying to save it for the offensive end, I can't give you five more minutes. I won't give you five more minutes. And so that's the thing. That's what they're showing him. So he's like, it's got to be the effort on the defensive end. It's got to be better conditioning, which we talked about. Trey looks like he's putting in the work to do that. And for young guys, it's hard to know what it is coming in when you haven't been through an NBA season, what it actually takes conditioning-wise, why you have to come into a season bulked up because you're going to lose 15 pounds over the course of the season. That's just how it works. You play in too much. You don't have enough time to keep that bulk up. There's a reason 
most times you see LeBron come into a year super beefy, and by the end of the season, he's kind of slimmed down. That's just how it goes. You're going to lose weight over the course of the season, but you have to be at a spot where you come into the year at a playable weight, but it's a weight that you can still shed some pounds and be physically capable of playing the minutes that they want you to. I will be surprised if either of them get to 35 minutes a game this year. Yeah, that's that's high. I mean, it's going to go up. I, I, I think, think but not, I think, not 35. I think 32. I think 32. But we're still talking about now 16 minutes a game without those two on the floor. Yeah, and, and honestly, they, they, the they better issues. they better stagger them a little bit because I'm not really sure where the offense comes from. <laughs> right, and we've talked about the depth issues, and we've talked about losing what they have. Now, look, they didn't they they haven't had they didn't have a ton of creators last year, but that was the issue. When Trey no, I mean, they, they had they had Jeremy Lin to run, to run, the, run the offense through when he sure. was on the court early on, but there. once he was gone, there really wasn't anybody. It there was Kevin, wasn't it was sort of Kevin Herter, maybe Baysmore a little bit, but yeah, there wasn't a ton. Right, and they still don't don't really have that. Your hope is that eventually maybe a reddish Jabari. That's why they, they signed Jabari, by the way. I think Jabari's yeah, Jabari's probably going to be the guy they run through. But again, it's not a super efficient offense when you run it through Jabari. No. Uh, he's a solid scorer. Like he is an NBA scorer. There's no doubt that is his, his NBA skill is being an offensive scorer. And your backup point guard is Evan Turner, by the way. Your backup point (laughs) guard is Evan Turner, who is a perfectly fine facilitator. But again, like who's around him, all these sort of things, like there's going to be a pretty big gap between starters and bench. But don't be surprised if Lloyd is very, and again, this is the don't skip steps part. They're not going to jump him from 30 to 35 because they think they can win three more games. No, I mean... That's, uh, short-term, if, that's short-term thinking that they don't do. We'll, we'll so see if they get it. The if, they, if they're in the middle of a playoff race, maybe late, we'll maybe they, it maybe gets weird. But, um, we'll see. Just, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks to it. No. You know, you're going to have... You, you have, like, the crazy, what, four-overtime game where Trey plays 58 minutes or whatever. But... You're not like for the most part, you're gonna try and stick with that, and they're gonna stick to those rotations, and they this all goes back to not skipping steps, and this is that that's the biggest reason why I'm really hesitant about how bullish people are on the Hawks as far as winning games. I think if you're talking about teams poised to build the right way and be a contender in the three to five year window that that those guys in the organization talk about the Hawks are near the top of the list. Yep. But because they're doing smart thing, you know, we can talk about whether they've, they've kind of maximized what they've been able to do, but they kept the young core. They're building a young core. They, they have a plan in that regard. Their hope is eventually they can bring in the free agents and attract the free agents. And we'll have, you know, that remains to be seen whether they're able to do that. Cause that's, that's always been kind of the elephant in the room in Atlanta. Can you get the free agent when you need to? Hey, they got they got Dwight Robbie. They signed Dwight. I'm not sure. Stay D twelve. Um. Uh, oh, by the way, real, real quickly, available. he is available again. Uh, real quickly, just for some some numbers to illustrate. We're, we're talking about about how ugly it might get when Trey, especially, leaves the floor. But really, Trey and John last yep. season. Um, the Hawks had a 101.9 offensive rating when Trey left the court, which would be about the worst in the league or so. And they were at about 108, 109 with him on the court. Uh, same with John. Last year, they, they were actually at 111 offensive rating with Collins on the floor, which is very, very good. And they were at 102 when he was off the court. So 
It's going to be the same this year, honestly. I, I can't imagine a scenario well, the this season you, where if Trey leaves the court and they're still pretty good on offense, they're going to be bad on offense no. when Trey leaves the court. It's just going to Well, happen. and the, the other thing is, I mean, you, you mentioned if they want to win, they, they probably need to stagger those guys. I, I don't think they want to stagger those guys that much because I, I, I think what they're trying to build is that core being together. They want those guys on the floor together to keep building – their chemistry, the key, like that's their focus is they this want to is a, build this that. This is a very small thing, but th- that's why they had Collins play summer league last year. Yeah, and that that's a very small ancillary thing, but that was the entire reason John Collins played summer league last year was to play with yep. Trey Young. That was the entire right. reason. And, and so the idea is, and it's not tanking; it's just kind of smart building. You you might shave three wins off of your possible total three to four wins by, by not staggering them, by not playing them 35 to 38 minutes a game, whatever. But it's all long play. It's all part of the, you know, to, because there's not a better term for it, the process. Um, uh-oh. Can't, can't use uh-oh. that term. Uh-oh, Armand. Is that illegal on the Hawks no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, people probably will get upset, but yes. Uh, yeah, but it's, all, but it's not the, the – Capital, it is not the caps. process with capital letters. I agree. The all caps process. It's just part of the process for what, <laughs> what the Hawks are trying to do. Excuse me. I want to. No, you're, right. No, you're right. Though I'm giving you. I'm giving you crap. But yeah, that's. Yeah. You're right. And it's, so it's, I I would be surprised if they stagger them too much. And again, that means you have a lot of bench unit minutes, and that's where this team is going to really struggle. On top of the fact that it's already a young starting. Yeah, it's going to be just, interesting to see how bad they are when with those guys leave the court. That's honestly. Yes. I, I want to temper the the expectations on this because you're just gonna. I, I think you're just gonna be frustrated by how much they stick to the plan. I think Hawks fans are gonna think we could be so much better. <laughs> that is gonna happen. But, I think, but it's gonna happen. They, they, you're gonna want to think, oh, we could be so much better. But they see it as we we have a plan in place. We know what we want to do. We know how we we know the steps we want to take. We're not going to skip them, and sometimes that's going to yield some frustration for fans because they're going to be like, "But if we just did this, if if Trey hadn't sat for this three minute stretch at the end of the second quarter, you know, when we gave up an eight zero run, like we could have won this game." Could, yeah, that's that's going to happen. It happened some last year, even when those guys were a year younger. It's so gonna, it's gonna. I think it's going to continue this year again. Hawks fans should be very excited about this team. They should be very excited about the future. I just think we're jumping the gun a bit on what we expect out of this team this year, given what is pretty clear the plan is based on roster moves uh, and based on what they say to pretty much everybody that will listen. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, really, I really admire – I really admire – I said this before, but I really admire that the Hawks are – so diligent and not pressing ahead. I, yeah. I really do enjoy that. They I think could, they, they are could have tried to throw some money around this summer. They didn't need to, and they didn't. And, and they I didn't. really agree with that situation. I, I think, you know, obviously they could have tried to make the playoffs this year and they probably could have put a team together to win 40 games, sure, but that would have been at the Orlando expense Ma- of the future. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be, you don't, you don't want to be Orlando. No. You don't, you don't want to be Miami. No. You want to be a team that has higher aspirations than that. And I think they do. So uh, I, right, I, I know, I know you have to go, but uh, I guess I have to make you pick it over under um, yeah. on the Hawks now. So go ahead, fire away. Uh, my lean is like again. I, I at thirty six under. I think yes. that's good. I agree with you, you on to, that. If you, go, 
<laughs> if you fly to Las Vegas and you walk into Caesars and you take a right and you go past Omnia and you go behind the little bar <laughs> and you go to the sports book and you walk to the window and you want to place your hard-earned money on something, I love the Hawks under 36. And let's be smart, Third, by the way. If you like the Hawks under, go to if, find a way to go to Caesars or somebody like that. If you like the over, find, find, a, find a good number. Find 31 right, and a half. Right. It's out there. We, as we always say on the over, shop it. <laughs> shop it. Shop it Find around. your numbers. Okay? By yeah, the way, if you like the under, if, you like the under don't go, if, if you're in Vegas and you like the under, like just because you are you happen to be at Westgate, like don't bet it at Westgate where it's 32 and a half. It's a terrible bet. I kind of like, uh, honestly, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm going to be in Vegas before um, this to be able to make, make this happen. If I could middle 32 and a half and 36, I think I'd love that. I do love that. Like if you give me like <laughs> three, three full wins three full that they wins? could land on. That's a that really good talking. value, I think. <laughs> that's, that's that's savvy. So if you want to get weird, I might drive up for it. Who knows? I'm there you go. You'll, you 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 live a lot, a lot a lot closer than I do to Las Vegas. Yeah. But uh, if you want to get might, weird, we so. might, have, we might have some fun. Uh, again, under at thirty six. I do think the thirty two and a half and thirty three and a half are right. I, I think this is a team that finishes between thirty and thirty four wins. Like I, I can see, I can see any end of that spectrum um, as the most likely range. Again, this comes with the caveat that there is the five to ten percent on either end of the spectrum where something horrible happens and you have twenty three wins, and you have everything just clicks. They somehow decide to be like a buyer at the trade deadline and bring in some depth because they're in the seven seed in February. Uh, or January, and they're just like, let's let's bring somebody in and screw the plan, which I, I don't see happening. Or they can just get somebody for not too much because they do have money to bring somebody in, um, whatever, and they win 40 games. Like Those ends of the spectrum exist. I think the most likely falls in that 30-34. Like, if you absolutely made me pick one on the bet online number of 33.5, I would say under, but I don't. I would not bet on the bet online number. I think 32, 33, 34, you're right in that little cradle uh, where, where I'd expect it. But I'd make me pick the bet online number, 33 and a half. Take the under, but not a confident one. Don't yell at me, please. <laughs> I, do, I do really love that 32 and a half to 36 middle. It's a stay away for me. That, that's kind of where we're landing here. I oh, think, yeah. you know. It's a, it's a stay away. You asked for a pick. No, I did. I asked, you, I asked you for a pick, and uh, I, I'm not going to give one definitively. I think I agree Coward. with you. Thir- <laughs> if it wasn't early August, I would nail myself Coward. down. Uh, but yeah, my, my favorite thing possible to do with the Hawks over-under would be to middle it, like I just said, th- between 32 and a half and 36, which is out there. That is available. And if I live, if I live in Vegas, I already have that down. Um, I don't live in Vegas, so I can't do that right now. But um, yeah, I, my, my prediction is going to be on this podcast and um, on Peachtree Hoops in the next couple of weeks, I think it's going to be somewhere in the 33-34 win range. Mm-hmm. Um, that could change if I talk myself in and out of it, but it's going to be somewhere in the low to mid-30s. So the number at 33.5, 32.5 is appropriate, I think. I think it's a pretty good number. Obviously, I think their ceiling is closer to 40-plus if they were if everything were to, were to go well. There's a scenario where John and Trey are both like challenging for all-star bids together. Like That's that's not sure. out of the question. Um, sure. If that happens, then 40-plus is in play. Um, disaster potential, if, if Trey misses 20 games or if John misses 30 games, they, they're in some serious, they're serious bad. trouble. 
So um, there's some downside too. I think you know with with anything, but especially for, for a team that's this thin, in my opinion, on especially on, on offense, um, yeah. anything that weird happens might affect you in a big way. So yeah, I think I would definitely stay away. I think you would too. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a stay away. Those numbers again. You you were asking for a pick. I did. I wanted to get a pick, but yeah, the, the overarching as and, and by the way, the next two podcasts after this when, when we talk are going to be we'll, we'll give you. Uh, over under or stay away and there'll be a lot of stay aways because by the way you shouldn't bet all of these uh, most of these no. numbers are, are pretty good numbers here's the tall and shiny for a reason folks always yeah, st- remember stay away is, is totally fine by the way there's nothing Buildings. wrong with just saying nope we're not we're not betting that one yeah and that's the thing is like you can here's the thing root with your emotional currency if you want to hawks over enjoy that it's not it's not you're gonna be so mad like if they do follow the script and play these guys 31 32 minutes a game and you have the over, and they lose three games because they had weird little like late second quarter runs they allowed because they had guys on the bench. Don't do it. Listen, I, I have bet I have bet my own teams over on season stuff before. That you you got to know that basically the only reason you're doing that is just because you're you're rooting for the team to win anyway. So yeah. if they if they win, it's like good for my wallet. If not, whatever. Um, if I wouldn't. I would not recommend a substantial financial position on the Hawks this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go that. Like this, this, this should always be a rule. (laughs) Any, any sports wagers, especially futures. Don't bet any money. You're not comfortable never seeing again. Correct. Okay. Do not be banking on this money for anything down the road. Don't be thinking, okay, next April, I'm putting down this money, and that's that's gonna be rent that month. Oh God, that's don't do that! For sure, come back. Don't do it! Don't do it! If you want to have some fun, have some fun. But again, yeah, yeah, that's uh, probably a good place to leave this. We'll come back to uh, overrunners later, but I wanted to get this out there. Little, little, little teaser for our other podcasts, and also extended Hawks talk. Most of the overrunners will not, will not be 30 minutes long that we're discussing, um, but we want to dig in a little bit. And you, you and I haven't talked in this format in quite a while, so I appreciate you coming on, man. Always, brother. We'll do it again. Uh, well, you and I probably very soon. But everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Please follow Robbie. Uh, Robbie, any, any, anything to plug on the on the old Up Rocks right now? Um, we'll be doing, we'll be doing more, uh, college football and NFL stuff for, for a little bit. Um, cause there's not a lot of NBA things. I'm we get, we'll have, we'll have a big NBA season preview. We're already getting that stuff together for September and October. Uh, and, uh, for, for those of you that do enjoy the gambling, uh, tilt punk casts back in full swing starting this week. So myself, Tom, Fernelli, Chip Patterson, we'll be back on the airwaves, uh, starting with win totals in the CFB land this week. And then pick start, I think the 24th is Miami, Florida. It absolutely is. Yeah, we are almost dang. there. We're less than three, less three weeks away from real-life football games. So, uh, yeah, if you enjoy the gambling stuff in college football, the punt cast is on your favorite <laughs> listening services. It's, it's the best. Terrible the, uh, the most coveted podcast in the land offers that have been turned down. <laughs> Oh, uh, go go subscribe to the podcast if you like that. Um, subscribe to this podcast. Follow Robbie on the Twitter, and also uh, follow our collective work, I suppose, over at Dime. And uh, I guess stay tuned for the next podcast. There'll be more Robbie coming very soon. So stay tuned for that. <laughs>